Okay, uh, amen, thank you so much. Uh, boy, we've had quite a worship service already today, amen? amen. Thank you, Lilia, for that song, just so beautiful and so uh, ministering to, our, to my spirit. Thank you, that really helped me worship God. Lee, where did Lee go? Uh, what are you, he's in the bathroom? Okay, he's in the bathroom. Lee, in the bathroom, good job. Uh, thank you. Uh, hopefully turn his mic off. Uh, anyways... Uh, that's like the preacher's worst fear, that the mic is still on in the bathroom. Anyway, um, I'm so excited to hear uh, someone like Lee speak, who is a campus minister in Duluth. And I, I just, whenever I hear Lee or Grayson or Eli or some of our young people share or speak, it's just so encouraging deep in my soul, feeling like, you know what, there's hope for the next generation. And don't take that the wrong way, like there's, there wasn't, but... But uh, the faith, the Christian faith is being passed on and strengthened and multiplied. And I just feel so encouraged. I remember uh, talking to Chase was over at our house. And what do you think of Grayson preaching? And I don't exactly know what he said, but it was along the lines of, I sure like him a lot better than you. Uh, uh, I don't, something like that, you know. So uh, um, I said, you know, sometimes I agree. <laughs> like him. So anyways, uh, excited about... Um, about our church and our family and how we have all generations. You know, we have young generations, we have uh, boomers, we have X, you know, I don't even know all the name of them. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We are finishing our mini-series on faith for the new year. And you should have a sheet uh, near you. I don't know if there's enough uh, for everyone to have one, but there should be a sheet near you that says summarize what we've learned so far about about faith, <clears throat> uh, this mini-series in Matthew chapter 9. But the goal of this series is that you will enter the new year having examined and been inspired and instruction, instructed how to take next steps of faith. Next steps of faith. Um, in Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus building the disciples' faith by showing them mainly what faith looks like. What faith, one of the best ways to learn how to walk by faith is to walk with someone else who's walking by faith. What it looks like. It's very rarely, it's kind of like when you put something together with instructions. How often do you really read the instructions? Isn't it kind of irritating? Uh, I put together a ping pong table the other day. And I kind of went by Chris Moose's, you know, if all else fails, read the directions. Uh, uh, but, uh, um, but actually what they have now is they have a video, and you can click, you can download an app, and the video shows you exactly what it looks like and what the piece looks like, and it like shows it all coming together. And I'm like, whoa, I just saw it. Now I just need to reproduce that. And it's like, and it just, and it came together so much better than, you know, getting the glasses out, and I had to do a little both. Anyways. Jesus wanted the disciples to see what faith looked like, what it looked like to believe in him and to overcome certain things and to take next steps. What do you want? So we're studying this through the lens of three questions. What do you want, which is a question Jesus asks often. Do you believe and why do you believe? He wanted them to examine, do they really believe or did they just say they believed and why? Okay, and then what are the next steps? So today we're going to finish up uh, looking at the blind man. We're going to look at the blind man and the mute, but we're, we're uh, 
we're not going to talk about the mute, okay? He's going to be mute. Glad Morgan's here. She can laugh real loud at my jokes once again. The theme of this is, it shall be done according to your faith, Matthew 9, 29. Um, what we're going to see is that our faith can help us overcome discouragement. Last week we talked about our faith helping us overcome our fears and our failures. And this week we're going to talk about how faith can help us overcome discouragement. Have you ever felt discouraged? You know, discouragement is something that is very, very powerful when it comes to believing in God or not believing in God or straying from God. Um, who hasn't felt, this, was a, this is from a, another preacher, who hasn't felt discouragement's chilling grip on the heart? Discouragement neutralizes optimism, assassinates hope, and erases courage. Perhaps no other human emotion is so commonly experienced and yet so infrequently exposed. The preacher tells a story about a public auction that the devil once had. As the prospective buyers assembled, they noticed an assortment of tools that the devil was selling. The tools of worry, fear, lust, greed, and selfishness were all carefully inspected before the sale. But off to one side, standing alone, there was an oddly shaped, well-worn tool which was labeled not for sale. Asked to explain why, the devil replied, I can spare my other tools, but I cannot spare this one. It is the most useful implement that I have. With it, I can work my way deep into hearts otherwise inaccessible. After I have plowed deeply with this tool, the way is open to plant anything there I desire. It is the most effective tool I have. It is the tool of discouragement. And boy, I can relate. I can relate to that. You know, it seems like when I trace, if I have, if I'm struggling, I'm aware that there's something I'm struggling with, and I try to really trace it back. Where did this come from? Why are you acting this way? You ever, like, do you trace it back? And usually there's something that makes me feel discouraged and I'm down or I'm usually it's down on myself are you with me there anyone else and uh, um, boy that just creates this fertile ground for temptation and struggle and sin whether it be anger or lust or insecurity or greed or whatever it is discouragement a powerful powerful tool so today I hope that you'll also be given the antidote some tools to fight this tool of Satan, tools of faith. Amen? Je things that Jesus gives us and provides for us that can not just instantly make us feel better, but give us hope, give us uh, a way through discouragement uh, into and through faith. Okay? So today we're going to look at the blind man and how his faith overcame his discouragement. Now... Before we read this, we need to talk about, oh, and by the way, if you've started, if you've actually listened to the sermons the last couple of weeks and started to put some things into practice, started to say, you know what, I'm starting to get a grip on what do I want if Jesus were to ask. I'm starting to get kind of a vision, kind of a hope for the future. And if you've started to really deeply believe and actually take a few steps of faith, 
Guess what you have activated? You have put yourself on the enemy's radar. And we live this in, a, in, in, a, in a battle, a spiritual battle with the forces of evil. It says that God's looking for faith. Well, the forces of evil are also looking for faith because they need to shut that thing down. So you're going to be opposed. If you start to take steps of faith, let me tell you, I promise you, you're going to be opposed. And if we don't learn how to handle discouragement, then Satan uses this tool to get us. Are you with me? So let's talk about this. Before we get into the blind man, we need to talk about blindness in general. Today, we view blindness as like a, a really unfortunate circumstance in your life, okay? But in the Old Covenant, it was far more than that. In the Old, old Covenant uh, sacrificial system set up in Leviticus, other places, you are to offer to God an animal sacrifice. But do you remember what you're not supposed to offer? You're not supposed to offer an animal that was blind or crippled or disfigured that was viewed as a blemished sacrifice and was not acceptable. Now, the sacrificial system in the Old Covenant was not a system set up so that people could prove their righteousness and earn God's favor. That was, that's a twisted interpretation of that. It's not what it was at all. It was a gift from God in compassion and mercy, how as provided to his people as a way to draw near to him. God wanted to be close to his people, but God is a holy God. And we have a problem because as a people, we're not a holy people. Can I get an amen? amen. And so God has a problem. I want to be close to the people, but because of my holiness, anything that's unholy comes into my presence and it, it literally just extinguishes. It burns up. It's not because I'm angry at them and I don't want them. It's because I'm holy and, and the unholiness is extinguished. Kind of like a sun. If, if, if you get too close to the sun, it's not that the sun is mad at you like, uh, you know, you dummy, you came too close. It's just like the power of the sun itself just evaporates you, okay? So God knows this, and so he creates a way. But I still, I know the people are unholy, but I still want to give a way that I can draw near to them, and they can draw near to me. Amen? Okay? Now the Israelites, though, twisted these laws. Who, have, who gets an attitude when it comes to rules, by the way? Show me a rule and I show you a rebellion. It's like I didn't even think about rebelling before. You told me it was a rule and now I just want to break it. Okay? That's because that's the way you are as a human and the way I am as a human. The Israelites were the same way with the law. Okay? And so they twisted the law and they made it either I don't want anything to do with the law or I'm, I'm going to obey this so I'm good enough for God. Kind of what Lee was talking about. Good job, Moses, the way you lifted the staff. That was the key to the water. What do you know? No one thought that. They only saw God. Okay, but as humans, we twist good things and we make it, um, we just mess it up. Okay, and so we, the Israelites thought, I'm going to be better than others if I obey the law. What's this all got to do with blindness? Here's what it's got to do with blindness. Blindness became, 
you, it, it, because that was a blemish, you're cursed. You're cursed um, by God. There's something wrong with you. This is, you're defective. Okay? Deformed. And that became your spiritually defective. So much so that after a number of hundreds of years, the disciples asked Jesus in John chapter 9 of the man more blind. What the disciples asked him was, who was it that sinned, him or his parents? So they looked at blindness and there was the judgment of a curse of God. Does that make sense? Okay. And Jesus is like, no, you're missing the point. Uh, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way it is, okay? Um, so the blind man is not just blind, but he has internalized a message from his culture, from the worldview, that I'm defective. I'm a blemish. I'm deformed. Something is wrong with me. Anyone else ever start to look at themselves? And start to feel like, what's wrong with me? Okay? Um, now, here's the good news, though, is that the Messiah's, uh, the Messiah comes. Oh, I forgot to start my timer. Sweet. 30 minutes from here on. <laughs> Glad I'm using a timer. Okay. The Messiah is prophesied about, and, and I, I want to read this I'm from Isaiah, because there's good news. For the, for the blind man, all right? Isaiah chapter 42 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things before they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. What is this? This is a prophecy that there's a new covenant coming. And there's a Messiah, a new king, the anointed one, who will usher in the new covenant. And there's a new way. And some of the signs is I'm, gonna, I'm going to heal the blind. I'm going to heal the cripple. I'm going to be a light to the Gentiles, okay? And uh, um, this is a, a, a prophecy of the Messiah coming. So then in Luke chapter 4, I know this is a little, a little bit of theology, but stick with me because it makes the healing of the blind man much richer than just I was blind and now I can see, okay? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry. He's been baptized and he goes to the uh, 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 synagogue and he says in Luke 4, verse 18, 
He opens the scroll of Isaiah. It was prophetic. Isn't it amazing that the book we just read, Isaiah, Jesus himself read the same thing. And that's, a lot of times I'm reading Isaiah and I'm just like, whoa, Jesus read this. Wow. Okay. Uh, and I hope the word of God, sometimes you just, whoa, wait a second. This is the word of God. Please don't, oh, it's the Bible dusty on the shelf. No, 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 you're missing. This is the word of the Lord. This is, this is God's heart and mind and thoughts and voice. Let's never lose our sense of awe and fear. Verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So in this context now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 9 and read about the blind man. What the blind man must have been feeling, and yet Jesus as the Messiah can come and do. In Matthew 9, verse 27, it's Jesus went, so, so Talitha Combe, the little girl, uh, is uh, raised from the dead. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all that land. Oh, this is it just it, it kind of on face value. It's like blind. Jesus, you're good. There's so much more than that. There's so much more going on. This is the Messiah. This is eyes being opened. Um, this is a sign of the new coming. Jesus is king of kings. He is he's it. Okay, let's go to another uh, Mark chapter 10. A very similar example. And this is what you see through the Gospels. You see multiple stories of blind men uh, being able to see. In Mark chapter 10, I want to read this example in verse 46. And we're going to talk about some practicals about overcoming discouragement. It says, Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. He, when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out, all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. Interesting how they changed their tone mighty quick. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. In answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, 
your faith has saved you or your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So I wanted to look at two of these. Some of these think this is the same story. Uh, based on the timing and, and whatnot, it's probably two different stories. But blind men facing their own defects, facing their own, facing their own discouragement, their faith overcomes that. And they come to Jesus and receive this incredibly healing. So let's ask our questions. What do you want? What do you want? This isn't complicated. I want to see. Okay? I want to be healed. I want to be, have my eyes opened. And so because they wanted this, what did they do? It says they followed him. They followed him. And that is Jesus' call not to just believe in him, but to follow him. They called out to him. Prayer is a big part of our discerning what is it we want and then asking God for what we want. We know this. We learn this at Christmas time, right? What do you want? We don't say, whatever. No, we say, I want, you know, new Legos or whatever. You hope probably when you were younger, not, you know. Okay, they called out to him. It seemed like, in both these situations, it seemed like Jesus didn't hear. Or maybe he was kind of, it, it seems like maybe kind of ignoring him. But I don't think Jesus was ignoring them. Maybe he was testing their faith. Maybe he was testing how much they really wanted, what they really believed, or it was just a flashing, we do this with our own kids, right? Hey, Dad, I want a new blah, blah, blah. If I'm like, okay, well, I'll think about it. What am I doing there? Just ignoring? You know, kids, you can turn your ears off. What, what am I doing? What is a parent doing there? In a way, they're testing. Do you really want this? Because you ask for a lot of stuff. And I just have limited resources here, Okay. But when they are persistent and they come and they ask and they propose plans, well, I'll pay half or I'll work for this or I'll do this. After a while, a parent's saying, hmm, you really want this. I wonder what God sees from us, what we really want. Have we answered that question yet? What can I do for you? What do you want? They called out to him. It seems like he didn't hear, but they kept calling. We are instructed when we, to talk. How to pray is we are given the example of the persistent widow, right? Luke 11, who just keeps calling, keeps calling. And it says, though, the judge doesn't care and the judge irritated. The judge, whatever, just to shut the lady up, he's going to give her what she wants. And the analogy is that's not necessarily, that's not what God is like. That's not the point. The point is that is if an unjust judge who doesn't care will finally answer the request, what will a just judge who cares do to the person who keeps on calling? And this is what they did. They kept calling. Others told them to be quiet. Be quiet. You're just a blind man. You're no good. You're nothing. You're marginal. You're unimportant. Jesus is the king of kings. He came for important people like the, the religious ones, the good enough ones. You're a, just a deformed one. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. Actually, you're the one who's wrong. I didn't come for the religious ones. I came for the sick. 
I came for the marginalized. I came for the oppressed, for the widows, for the orphans. This is why I have come. Amen? So when I find myself being less than religious and more like the blind man who's defective and defunct, and I can feel discouraged because, well, I'm not good enough for Jesus, I need to get through my thick head. No, that is what makes me a candidate for Jesus. I almost said good enough. That's the point. I'm not good enough. I love studying the Bible with people, and they go through their sins, and they get like, well, I just don't feel like I'm good enough yet. And I'm like, I'm so glad you said that, because I got news for you. You're not. Oh, kind of hurt my feelings. Dude, you're barely getting in touch with your own sinful name. The point that you're not good enough is what's qualifying you once you start to actually get that. You know, I went to the uh, uh, funeral this, this past week in another church, denominational church, and we sang Amazing Grace. I'm like, oh, sweet, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And we know those words, right? Um, who, who came, Amazing Grace, sweet the sound, that saved, what's the line? That saved a, a wretch like me. Guess what this, this songbook had done? Alternative uh, singing. Let's take wretch out of the verse. Because that's a little too offensive to our new age, don't judge anyone, feel so good about yourself worldview. We'll take wretch out and say, who came to save and set me free. You're kidding me, right? You changed amazing grace? Now it's not scripture, but it's close. And I felt like standing up and saying, excuse me, we missed the point. The point is that we are wretches, and Jesus came to save us and heal us of our blindness. And matter of fact, it's not to the point where I get to see that I'm a wretch that I can start to receive this incredible healing. <laughs> Others told him to be quiet, and finally Jesus was like, call them. And so the crowd, who just told him to shut up, was like, um need to apologize. Actually, he's calling you. And so he says he leapt up. He leapt up. He threw off all that hinders, which I believe is so symbolic for us in coming to Jesus. And he came. And then Jesus asked him, do you believe? Do you believe? It's a question I think he asks us today. Do you believe? I don't care what your words say. I care what's deep in your heart. Do you believe that I am able? The point is not just do I have the power. The point is do you believe I'm the Messiah? I am able. Yes. Why did they believe he was able? Because they knew the teachings of the coming Messiah. And they were like, I'm all in. We're all in. You are the Messiah. Okay? That was risky. That was crazy. That was a radical faith. Um, yes, we believe. Their belief overcame their sense of defect, their years of internal discouragement, their years of external discouragement. Who Jesus was and what they believed and surrendered to overcame who they were as blind men, and they received their sight. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had some dark days of discouragement in my life. 
at various times. I'm kind of a, overall, I'm kind of a chipper, kind of happy, kind of free type. And it kind of makes the days of discouragement stand out all the more. And, you know, in, in being a, trying to be a servant of God and being a, a leader, um, one of the things that can happen is when, I was trying to think, what are the times of really dark discouragement that I've walked through? And you guys have heard about the times where I got fired from the ministry and feeling like a failure there. But it was, it was more, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, there was one of my best friends uh, in the church. One of my best friends. He said, I'm leaving the church, and I want to tell you why I'm leaving the church. It's all because of you. And that's, that's, that's dif difficult because you feel like you failed. You feel like you failed God. You failed this person. Your leadership, you feel like your leadership just damaged someone. And that's not why you go into leadership, right? I know, I want to damage people. Help me, God. You want to go to be a blessing. You want to help. You want to encourage. You want to build people's faith, right? You want to help people walk closer to God. And I had just had some really dark times of, I'm a total failure. Not just the, the relationship issue, but I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm a defective. Why am I not a better leader? Why am I not a better friend? Why am I not a better man? Why am I not a better servant of God? Why would he choose me just to hurt people? Why am I not a better son of God? You ever have times like that? Yeah. It's discouraging, right? Obviously, I'm, there's some in there, I guess, I'm still processing, so thank you for the therapy. But it's more than just once. And so I have to go, and it's like, wait a second, though. Wait a second, what do I believe? I believe that Jesus, this is his church, okay? I need to go in my walk with God and process, wait a second, what, are, what, what were some things I should have done different or better? But wait a second. This is my responsibility. This is not my responsibility. Right? Separating those issues. And then going to my friends, the partners in the mission, like, guys, here's what's going on. What do you see? What's right? What's not right? And I need help processing. And they're able to be like, yeah, this was, yeah, this is legitimate. Yeah, this is illegitimate, dude. You can't internalize that. That's not your issue. This is your issue, but that's not your issue. And I need the truth. I don't need sugarcoating in those moments to make me feel better. I need the unmistakable truth to help me process in the things that I do wrong. I go to God's grace. Amen? Um, and my God's grace is sufficient for you. And so then it's like, get up, get up. Same thing happened to Elijah. Amazing victory, right? Mount Carmel. All of the amazing victory, and then he gets opposed by Jezebel, 
and he gets deeply discouraged, and he goes off to the mountain, and God says he comes in a gentle whisper. I love this story. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And it wasn't like, what are you doing here, you idiot? It's like, what's going on? Let's talk. Let's separate. Now get up and, and go anoint Jehu. Go anoint uh, 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 Elisha and go anoint the king dude. Ace, I don't know, whoever it was. That, okay? um, you need some help. And, uh, and, and get going. Get back there. This isn't about you, Elijah. Okay, so through those discouragements. But if you let that discouragement sink in and give you the wrong message, it can debilitate your faith. But you got to let your faith overcome those discouragements. Okay? That makes sense? And so I didn't quit, and I'm able to mature as a son of God, as a man of God, as a leader. But guess what? I think it's a lot. It's a process. Okay. So let's talk about the next steps. Let's wrap this up. What are your next steps? Um, by the way, faith doesn't earn us a blessing, but it does create a pathway of receiving a blessing. Don't get confused. Your faith is not, well, I have faith, so I should have deserved this. Wait a second. No, nothing, the only thing you deserve is hell. You don't want to play the deserve card, right? Uh, Faith creates a pathway, pathway of reception. So you're then in a posture to receive God's grace, to receive healing and blessing. So what do you want? What are your next steps? Here's what we learned from these guys. Following Jesus. Maybe some of us need to decide, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going all in like these guys did. I'm going to follow. I'm not just going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to follow. I'm going to be like these guys. I'm going to be like Matthew. I'm deciding. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Amen? That's a decision. That's a step some of us need to take. Another step is I'm going to call out to Jesus. I'm going to devote myself to prayer. My prayer life has been stinking, and it's stinking, okay? So I'm going to devote myself to prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast, okay? I call out to Jesus. Number three, I'm going to battle my discouragement with faith. I'm going to keep calling out to Jesus when it seems like he's not listening. I'm going to throw off discouraging hindrances, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Every the sin that so easily entangles, throw it off. And so there's true guilt. True guilt, I'm going to throw off. If I'm guilty, if I've sinned, I'm going to be open. I'm going to repent. Amen? I'm going to receive God's grace. False guilt, I'm going to throw that off too. I'm really not guilty here, uh, but I think others may think I'm guilty. I'm going to throw off the false guilt. I'm going to trust God's grace, and I'm going to get up again. He's calling you. Get up again. Though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times he rises again. You're going to stumble. You're going to stumble. Matter of fact, you're going to stumble a lot, and you're going to keep stumbling. Hope that's not discouraging to you. Hopefully, actually, it's encouraging because by God's grace, you can get up again and it's like well how about the eighth time i guess i don't get a great miss the point okay okay get up again and then we receive by faith his healing some of us we need the healing we're just discouraged we're wounded we're damaged we're we've received the wrong message and we need healing we need jesus to come and put his hand on the blind man the widow, the cripple, we may feel marginalized. We feel 
We've had hard things happen to us. I just thought about Jamie Kloss and, oh, how is this gonna, girl going to survive? She's survived physically. And I thought, Jesus, Jesus can heal her. Jesus can come alongside her. And I'm, you know, her family, and they're all, they're all going to say it. She's going to get counseling. The counseling's going to say the right thing. And, and the family's going to say the right thing. And, and who knows? But until she hears it from Jesus, that's what's going to bring her the deepest healing. Let's pray for her. And not just her, all those, right? The world that desperately needs Jesus. Are we filled with compassion? And that's how Matthew chapter 9 ends. This is how Matthew chapter 9 ends, and I hope this describes us. That our point of coming to Jesus in faith is not just for ourselves, but to be like this in verse 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. If you have received anything good from Jesus, you have an obligation and a responsibility, as do I, to go to the world and not keep it to ourselves, right? But to go to our neighbors, to go to our coworkers, to go to the lost, the hurting, the blind, sitting in darkness and deep despair and say, I've got good news. I've got good news. Let's go. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen? Amen and amen. According to your faith, what do you want? Do you believe? And what are your next steps? If you let these three weeks of sermons go, oh, and you don't take any next steps, you have wasted your time. Don't waste your time. Do something. Take these handouts and answer those questions, and God will bless you and be with you. Amen? At this time, we're going to have Mr. Rizzo come on up. He's going to give us some contribution and announcements, and we'll sing one last song.